Charlotte Mason is a great approach for boys. You'll discover why in this session. I'm Sonia Schaefer with Simply Charlotte Mason, and I have four daughters, no sons. So sometimes I get asked whether a Charlotte Mason approach works with boys. The answer is yes, absolutely it does. But don't just take my word for it. Today we're going to talk with one of the co-founders of Simply Charlotte Mason, my friend and mother of three boys, Karen Smith. Karen, thanks for joining us today to talk about your family and your experiences with Charlotte Mason with boys. Have you ever been asked, does Charlotte Mason work with boys? Yes, I have. And, Many times. And what do you say to people when they ask that? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us why. Why does Charlotte Mason... Well, first let me ask this. Why do you think parents ask that question? There seems to be a misconception that a Charlotte Mason education is all about tea parties, poetry, and daisies. Thank you. Yes, and even though I have all girls, they were not all tea party, poetry, and daisy no, girls. No, my daughter certainly is not. Yeah, you've got one daughter as well as your three boys. So I think we need to make clear that when we're talking about Charlotte Mason with boys, some of the characteristics that we're going to describe, some of the tips that we might give might apply to some girls as well. Oh, definitely. But I'm, I'm relying on you because you've told me that Boys and girls are raising them are two different things. They think differently. There's they just some significant differences. They're wired differently from from the time from they're birth. born. Yes. yes. All right. So, tell us how. Why does Charlotte Mason work for boys? In what way is it a good fit? There are several ways. The short lessons really work for boys who have short attention spans. Boys do not like busy work at all. They like to have a purpose for why they are doing what they are doing. Mm. And Charlotte Mason methods work right along with that. Yeah, that's right in the sweet they, spot. They do not like true or false, multiple choice, fill in the blank, guess what the teacher is thinking types questions. Mm -hmm. They just want to tell you. Um, they also love to wiggle. And so being able to mix up the um, subjects. Oh, yes is very beneficial to boys. So they don't have to just sit and listen yes. for hours on end. Yes. They can do other things in the middle, but they're still learning. Yes, and even some of the lessons, they can stand up or move around while that lesson is taking place. Yes, sure. there's sometimes they need to sit mm -hmm. and do their lesson, but there are other times that they can get up and move around. Like it's, it's hard to walk around when you're doing your copy work. Yes. But that only lasts for a couple of minutes. And right. then you can look at a picture and walk around while you're trying to get it in your head right. or something or like that. Or when you're doing your oral narration after a reading. Some of them just think better when they're moving. Yes, like my oldest son. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he loves to walk while he's talking because it helps him The only him way his brain works. Yes, yeah. And so they can do that with those oral narrations. Yes. What, what else that. were you thinking of? The short lessons leave plenty of time for boys to be boys. Mm. They can run and jump and dig and use their imaginations, which is also beneficial to their growing up and their education. They learn a lot in that play. So running and jumping and playing sounds like the younger boys, I, well, maybe some 
young adult boys would do that still. <laughs> they would play in different ways. But how about for when the kids get older, when the boys get into you know the teen years? Any ideas for that? The shorter focus lessons give them opportunity to pursue their own interests and to develop those. Several of my boys did that. And they also, um, if, they need, if they want to work a part-time job, it gives them plenty of opportunity to do that. It, it seems like when, when you're talking about they have those short lessons and then they can do, pursue their own interests, it's almost like giving them that sense of leadership and control yes. and, and initiative mm-hmm. that, that is inherent in many of them. Right, and they're still learning when they're doing, yeah. pursuing their own interest. It's just now things that they really want to learn about. Mm -hmm. And really, CM education sets them up for that beautifully because they love to learn and they learn how to learn. And so they can learn whatever they want to outside of their more formal lessons. Because we've given them the tools. Yes. The focus on being attentive to your lessons helps boys and and girls too Mm -hmm as they get older, when they have to read harder material, and maybe even textbooks, they learn how to pay attention, and they can do it in one reading, unlike other students who may need to go back and reread and find the answers to the questions. And then I would assume rereading things is going to feel like busy work. Yes. And and feel Mm -hmm. self-defeating almost. I know my oldest complained about the sort of textbooks we used for science Mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. And when he had to use real textbooks for college classes, he came back and thanked me and told me that he was wrong, that what he had in high school were not textbooks because they were so different from what he had for college-level classes. That's great. And he noticed that difference. Yes, he did on his own. I did not point it out to him. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So are there any specific tips you would give to parents who are homeschooling boys, especially with the Charlotte Mason method, but even in general? I mean, you've been homeschooling boys for almost oh. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least you've been parenting boys for yes. almost 30 years. Let's put it that way. Yes. And homeschooling has been the majority of those years as yes. well. So what tips would you share? Allow your boys to wiggle. Allow them to move when they need to. Keep those lessons short, particularly in those early years when they are learning to control their bodies. Give your boys something to do with their hands when they have to sit still. If you require a young boy to sit still, he will not hear, he cannot hear what you are reading to him or what you are telling him because his mind is focused on staying still and not on what the lesson is. Oh, so what kinds of things can you give them that I'm, I'm envisioning making all kinds of noise and room, room, and you know. Give them quiet things. My boys liked to just doodle on paper. Um, sometimes those stress balls work, oh, yeah. so they can just squeeze those. Um, we had um, wax-covered yarn, I think they're called wiki sticks, that they could make all kinds of shapes with, Play-Doh works or clay, as long as they're quiet and they're not disturbing somebody else. And they're not getting distracted. I know your kids 
grew up with Legos all over. Yes. They made phenomenal things out of Legos. But I'm going to assume you did not let them do that while you no. were reading to them. No, Legos were not allowed because they're too noisy. And it would take too much of their mental yes. effort. They would concentrate on what mm -hmm. they were creating. So you're giving them things to do with their hands that are quiet and that are, I don't want to say mindless. In, in a way, yes. But they don't have to concentrate on what they're doing with their hands yeah. so that their brains can be engaged with the lesson. So it gives them something to, mm -hmm. to do so they aren't focused just on, I have to sit here, I have to sit here. Yes. Makes sense. What else? Let them run. Let them play. I mean, really, those short lessons and allowing them to wiggle are going to be your keys. Did you boys. give your boys um, breaks between those short lessons so they could go run? Or did you find that just switching up using different part of the brain and keep going, keep going worked well for we them? We used both. We did um, some readings first for when they were younger, maybe up to a half an hour. When they were older, we could stretch it a little bit to 45 minutes or an hour, and then we would um, take a, at least a half hour break. And they would have time for a snack and time to go out and run around and burn off some of their energy. And then they would come back in and do their more individual studies, the math and copy work and that sort of a thing. And so we mixed it up, but definitely gave them a break to get outside and run around too. And that makes sense. I mean, that's on mm -hmm. Charlotte Mason's schedule with her kids. It's partway down the morning. Mm -hmm. They took that half hour to go do exercises and have free mm -hmm. play as well. And sometimes when a boy just can't settle down, I would send them outside just to run around the house several times in the middle of their lesson because they were not going to get the lessons done. Mm. We, we could fight. Them. Right. We yeah. could fight about getting it done. But if I sent them out to run around, burn off some of that energy, they could come in and concentrate on what they were doing. So, you know, cut yourself some slack, <laughs> be a little flexible with your schedule, and let your boys do what they need to do to concentrate on their lessons. I think there is that fine balance there because, yes, you're recognizing them as individual people, persons, mm -hmm. and giving them what they need to succeed, but you also required effort from them. Oh, definitely. You, I, I know um, your oldest son is my son-in-law. For those of you who don't know about that, yes, my second daughter married Karen's oldest son. And so I've watched him these last few years. They've been married. They're living down here with near us. And he works for us. And I can see the, the concentration, the attention that he has and as a habit mm -hmm. that and that does not just happen no by accident so you must have required that even in the midst of allowing them to move and wiggle oh yes always required their attention and for them as they got older to focus their attention on their lessons and you know if they focus their attention on their lessons it's amazing what they can get done yeah in that older kids, 20 to 45 minute time. Mm -hmm. Younger kids, shorter lessons, of course. But even then, they can get an amazing amount of work done in that time if they concentrate. So that's one benefit I have noticed. 
I'm curious what other benefits you have noticed with your boys especially and your daughter. They're all graduated now. How do you think the Charlotte Mason approach prepared them for life now? What are you seeing in them? They all still have a love of learning and they all know how to learn and they're able to pursue their own interests. My youngest did an apprenticeship program, intensive training for the first three months of that. and. They were not, he was not spoon-fed. He was told, here's a book, it does this. Here's a book, it tells you about this. You choose which one, they're both good. You will learn what you need to. You go read it. There were no assignments given. He was responsible for that. And if he had not learned how to read a book mm -hmm. and concentrate on his lessons and to learn on his own without somebody spoon-feeding him, yeah. he would not have succeeded in that. That's a great so. example, great example. Anything else you want to say to parents of boys or of wiggly girls? Either way. <laughs> <laughs> of course, require them to do their lessons but think about how they're wired. Give them some flexibility in how they do those. And let them burn off energy, let them wiggle, let them keep their hands busy, but hold them to that standard of getting their lessons done. Good advice. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.